Father, today, we ask that by your Spirit, you would come and visit us, regardless of our age, that you would come and speak to us today, that you would plant some things in our heart that we would be able to hold on to, and that we would connect with you today. God, help me to see as you see, so that I can do as you say. So that when I leave this place, the church doesn't stay here, but I take the church with me when I go. I am the church, and where I go, the church goes. So for my friends that are here, God, I pray for them as well, that you would help them to see as you see, so that they might do as you say. Because it all makes so much more sense when we see things from your perspective. Speak to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The end of the month, we set aside um, as a week of difference. And so we call the end of the month service Checkpoint. Checkpoint is where we stop. We stop whatever else it is that we're doing. So we started our series Twisted last week. We're going to continue our series Twisted next week. But for Checkpoint, we stop. We stop so that we have the chance to remember, remember what God has done, what, to remember what he's done in the, in, the, in the distant past, to remember what he's done in the recent past, what he's done in my past, what he's done in our past, because it's easy to forget. And we get a mindset that says, but what have you done for me lately? God, what, what about now? And, and now is important, but now is always part of a story. So we, we choose to remember. We choose to have that come back. And then based on what we remember, we also choose to reevaluate. We look at ourselves. Church is a time that gives us the opportunity to stop for a couple of moments and reevaluate, am I living, being, relating the way that I really want to? Am I doing that fully engaged? Or have I gotten distracted this month? Have I gotten busy just doing taxes? That's enough to drive you away from God, right? So we want to pull you back and, and say it's, it's time. Reevaluate yourself. And then before you leave today, to refocus. So you can reset your, your path. You can reset the road that you're on. Because if you're off even by a little bit, what you find is if you draw a line when the angle is off, you, you end up far from where you're really meant to be. So we want to give you a chance to come back. And I take the same chance as well, that we refocus ourselves together. So we're going to continue with what we started um, last checkpoint, which was words to live by. And the, the, the frame or the, the, the way that we're looking at this is to target again this mentality of eyes up. There are all kinds of things that you can put your eyes on. What you see is in large portion directly related to where you focus. What you look at is what you see. And so we're choosing to put our eyes up, not to pretend that other things don't exist, but after we've seen those, to refocus ourselves on God. What does he have to say? How does that reevaluate? And how does that positively drive me towards the end that I'm longing for? This road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus requires that we focus on Jesus a great deal. And so that's what we're going to do. Um, there are some things that we can live by, and there are, um, there's some words that can bring life to us, and there are some things, some words that can cause us to die. I'm, I'm having trouble thinking today. I need another minute, please.
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would calm my heart, focus my mind, for my friends here as well. Focus their minds. Speak to us today. God, give us ears that would discern well what you have to say. We're putting our trust in you. Even when that feels risky, we're putting our trust in you. Bring calm, bring peace, bring your presence. Remove the distractions. No show. Just you. Thank you. We have an inner dialogue. And you'll spend much of your life living inside your own head. You'll have those times when it just comes to you and you, and you think and you think. And sometimes it's your thoughts and some thoughts are, are planted there for you. And that inner dialogue tells you stories. It tells you stories about yourself. It tells you stories about what's happening to you. It brings to your mind things and it, and it puts them at a, at, a, at a place that makes you feel like they're more important. And sometimes if we just let the inner dialogue go, we don't, we don't direct it. We don't focus it. It will go wherever. And it doesn't usually take us in a good place. So in this time, how many of you can identify that there are times when you say, I talk to myself? Do you do that? I do that. Do you, do you, sometimes you, you say it out loud. You, you, you say things actually to yourself. You know, oh, I got to remember. This. And other times you, you, you just, you hear them and it comes up. And I think um, in my experience, what I've heard from many people also is the mirror is, is, a, is a fantastically terrible place to spend some time because you can pass by a mirror so quickly and you can have so many thoughts that go through your head that you evaluate and that you reinforce and you can say, not good enough. Um, you're the one who messed it up. You're, you're the one who's not smart enough. You're, you're the one who, who doesn't have what it takes. If only you were like. And, and the mirror is, is, is a spot where we do that quite frequently and, and they just come and you, and you quite often get a string all at once that duka 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 and it's hard to get by in that, that self-talk in there rarely moves us in a positive direction. So that's why we want to we look at that and focus on that a little bit today. I talk to myself, and sometimes my, my inner dialogue that I let myself have is not very pleasing to God, and maybe you're in the same spot. Other times, my, my inner dialogue can, can focus me wonderfully on God, and I can remember things that are true, and, and, I, and I, can, I can say them, and I can believe them, and I can live, and in such a way that I can go for, for whole, whole weeks with this wonderful, beautiful connection with God, and it just seems like everything I touch and everywhere I go, it just all makes sense, and I'm at peace, and, it, and it's wonderful, and there's, and there's other times that that wonderful time of peace lasts for about 30 seconds, you know, and that was it. It was there, and then something happened around me. Someone did something, and, and I lost it, and, then, and I lost that focus, and it was hard to bring it back. Sometimes that inner dialogue can be incredibly destructive, and destructive to me, destructive to my relationships, destructive to the, my purpose that I have, and so I want to ask you a question. As we sort of remember and we reevaluate today, is your 
inner dialogue dominated by sinful, negative, critical thinking? Or would you say that your mind is controlled by the Holy Spirit? Consistent, God-honoring, Christ-directed thoughts. Where is your mind? Where does it go? So scenario number one looks maybe a little bit more God-centered. Do you wake up in the morning and it's the common direction of your day to start the day by saying, my God is with me. My life matters. I've got a great calling. I am full of faith. My mind is full of life and promise and peace. I have divine energy to do all that God has called me to do today. I'm excited about this day. I'm excited about the opportunity. I will look for opportunity in every interruption. Today, I'm going to make a difference, and that difference is going to magnify the glory of God. Did you start that way today? Or maybe it was more like uh, thinking, mmm, snooze. Snooze is a beautiful way to start the day because you know what? I'm tired. And snooze, right? And if you could snooze other people, you would snooze them for their benefit. For my benefit, snooze for you as well. Um, where's the coffee? Uh, who, who is that kid pulling at the edge of my bed? And what time does that child need to be here? Why do we actually need these kid things anyways? Who, who made them? Um, Oh, oh my gosh, here we go again. It's, it's, it's a tough week. It's already a tough week, and it's going to be a tough week. I've got too much to do. I need another day in this week. I, I need more time, and I'm, and I'm tired, and i got to go to that, that stupid job, and I, and I have to work with those stupid people, and life is overwhelming, and whatever I do, I just can't get ahead. Two different mornings, and obviously, they're both exaggerated. Exaggerated, but so that we can hear what's in them. But if you're really honest, what typifies the dialogue that you have with yourself in your mind? This is not something that at one stage in your life you grow out of or grow into. It doesn't just change automatically. There is not an immediate shift. So as, as a child in grade two, grade three, you start having thoughts in grade four, grade five, grade six. You can, you can have thoughts about what you think about school and what you think about your teachers and what you think about that class and what you think about the people. In grade, grade 10, grade 11, grade 12, grade university, fourth year university, what, whatever it is, you, you go along and you still have this opportunity to start your day in a way and, and you have an opportunity to, to complete your day in a way. How do your thoughts work. So to help you with that, I want to give you a statement. It's a statement that we, that we had last time, and then I want to ask you a question. The statement is, your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts, what you spend the most time thinking. The question is, are you excited about the direction your thoughts are taking you? So often in church, we have the idea that, that there's supposed to be a presentation, and I'll listen to the presentation. At the end of the presentation, thank you very much. We can go home now. This, this is an interactive thing. If, if God is going to speak to you, then sometimes you have to stop and, and actually answer questions. You have to let him prompt you. Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? Because this is, this is a remember, reevaluate, refocus kind of day. 
Are you going to let yourself refocus? Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? And, and I can remember more than once in my life, but there was definitely seasons, there were definitely times when I woke up and I said, quite honestly, no, I am not excited about the direction that my thoughts are taking me. I, 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 I'm going in a bad direction, and, and I can't seem to get out of this bad direction. I don't like my inner dialogue. I don't like spending time alone with me, because when I'm alone with me, I'm exposed, and I don't want to be exposed. I don't I don't want to know me like that, and I don't want anyone else to know me like that. So what am I going to do? God helped me to change my thoughts by thinking through this one discipline, this one discipline that we're going to work on now, that words to live by, with a focus on eyes up. So words to live by, we started last month. We're going to do more next month because I don't want to just rush it by as information. It has to be information that is taken and applied, used. It's not conceptual. It's very much practical. Romans 12, 2 has, has been a key verse of mine. Uh, it, I, I find it full of wisdom and full of insight, and it calls me back regularly to a new level of commitment, a new level of, of connection with God, because I struggle sometimes to be honest about what happens in life. It is easy to say, it's all fine. How are you doing today? I'm fine. It's easy to portray my spirituality as being somewhat better than yours. I'm a little bit more pious. I'm a little bit higher, frankly. So I get that. But the truth is, it's a struggle and it's work. It doesn't just happen. But this verse, I find to be very, very helpful. The Apostle Paul, he says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God. Let God do what? But let God transform you. Let God change you. Let God transform you into a new person. By doing what? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. What I, what I love about this is that it's not just me changing me, because if it's just up to me, I already know that I've made mistakes. I already know because that's why I'm where I am. I know that I did those things, and I wish that I didn't. I know that I need something more. So what I'm asking for is that God would change me by renewing my mind. But that phrase in there, let God, is very important, because while we believe that God is the almighty creator of heaven and earth, that he holds all things in his hands, that he has the power over life and death, that he can transform, that he can change, that the power that he has given us in the Holy Spirit is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. True, let God, which means that I can resist. I can say no. I can say not right now. And it's a choice that we all can make and that we all, we all do make. We choose to say not right now. We choose not today. Let God. Stop fighting against it. Let God transform you by renewing your mind. Stopping the negative lies and replacing them 
with godly truth. So there is a discipline that's actually involved here. There's something that we can do. It's not just a, okay, God, go, change everything, I'm ready, and wait for it all to be better. There, there are steps that we can take, and this, this isn't working to change me. This is working to align me with God's thoughts. And when I think God's thoughts, God changes me, not just into a better version of me, but into a new person. A new person that he has created and that he sees the end result of. And so when he looks at that me, he calls me mighty warrior. He doesn't see me as I am. He sees me as what I can be, what he has called me to be, what he has set me aside to be. The part that I believe will never happen, the part that I struggle to say, will that ever be me? He sees me now where I am today, flawed and broken. And he calls me mighty warrior victorious. And that, that reference comes from Gideon. And we, and we know the story of Gideon. When Gideon is called a mighty warrior, Gideon didn't mighty warrior anything. At the end, he called a group of people to fight by lighting torches, breaking jars, and blowing trumpets. There is not one of those things that the, the, the military trains you how to do. You are not a mighty warrior because you broke a jar. You're not a mighty warrior because you lit a lamp. And even when I blow the trumpet, it's not that powerful of a weapon. But he's called a mighty warrior because of what God did in and through him, and that's what he did. So his participation was trusting that God would work. Mighty warrior was the end result. But he called Gideon a mighty warrior way back here in his story, knowing what would happen knowing that he was still going to do the work, knowing that he was still going to be the one that would change us and transform us. He knew the whole thing, and yet he said, we're partners. We're working together. You and me, we're going to do this. You trust. You just trust me. And that's how it's going to go forward. Let God change you into a new person by changing the way that you think because, like it or not, so much of life isn't what happens to you. So much of life is what you think about what happens to you. This is a big deal, right? This is not the power of positive thinking. Tony Robbins is not doing this sort of thing. This is the reality. You need to embrace this and get this into your head. It's not just what happens. Because when you, when you see what happens to different people, you know the same sort of thing can happen and people respond differently. It's not just something bad happens to one person and they say, oh, wow, that's bad, but I'm gonna make the best of it. We know that some people, when something bad happens to them, they draw closer to God. And we know that sometimes when bad things happen to people, they flee from God, want nothing to do with them. We know that the same thing doesn't always happen. But what you think about what happens to you matters. It transforms the way that you go forward. So it's the same thing with, with, with a stress. Stress is not just about how much you have to do. Stress is how you think about how much you have to do. And when you recognize that God is with you, that his power is real, that his grace sustains you, that when you're weak, he carries you. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. Suddenly, what seemed to be stress, what seemed to be overwhelming and too much, and I can't do it, becomes opportunity to tap into God's power. 
That power that, again, raised Christ from the dead. That same level of power, that same wattage or amperage of power is available for us. Interruption then becomes opportunity. We grow to anticipate what God will do in these circumstances because I am facing opposition. I know I can't just do this on my own. So I anticipate God's participation with me. It's not about all that you have to do. It's how you think about all that you have to do. We have a growing problem. We have a growing sickness in our culture. One that we're getting better about talking about, but one that we still have to acknowledge that it's there. This mental illness, mental sickness that comes up. When you break your arm, no one says, oh wow, I understand why you can't do that. You got a broken arm. But mental illness, anxiety, as it comes and it becomes increasingly prevalent in our culture, diminishes our capacity to do what we thought we could do. Like a broken arm diminishes our capacity to do what we thought we could do. And to reclaim this space, sometimes there's a chemical thing, sometimes there's something that we can do, but sometimes it's just trust. We're wound up in the lack of trust, and we think that I have to do it by myself, I have to do it on my own. And Paul, Paul tells us another story. He, he unwraps another way of, of thinking about this in 2 Corinthians 10. It's a beautiful passage, um, and I pray that this will be encouraging to you today. 2 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3. Though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. In other words, you don't need to get yourself a gun or a knife. I've got spiritual weapons that have spiritual power. And if I apply a non-spiritual weapon to a spiritual problem, I don't find success. Unless you watch movies, because no matter what happens in a movie, all you have to do is get a bigger gun or punch harder, right? No matter what the power is that you're fighting, they all go down with a bigger gun or punching them. But that's not the way it works. Our battle is not with the physical. Our battle is with the spiritual. So we have to learn how to fight in a spiritual way. Our weapons aren't normal weapons. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. We fight with prayer. We fight with fasting. We fight with the word of God. We've got the sword of the spirit. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We've got the shield of faith. We've got the helmet of salvation. We have the belt of truth. We have shoes that are prepared with the, the gospel of peace. We don't have normal weapons to fight non-normal problems. We have spiritual weapons to face spiritual problems, and they demolish what Paul has called a stronghold. Did anybody say to yourself, what's a stronghold? Of course not. You just go, it's a stronghold. It's a word. We've heard it before. It's like a, like a, like a castle, like a keep. Um, the word translated from Greek is achurama. And if you, you get that as a castle with a dungeon. It's a prison and in the very literal translation would be what Paul is saying here. It's a prisoner who's locked by deception. So there can be a spiritual stronghold in an area, or there's spiritual strongholds in people, and quite often they're held by deception. We've been focusing on the truth, again, for months now, focusing on giving you truth, little bits of truth, because truth battles deception. So much of what we battle with are 
lies, untrue things that are around us, deception. So the stronghold can be in a person or it can be a group of someones who are in prison and deceived, believing that there's no way out. It's a wrong mindset. It's a fully deceptive system that you believe that the further application of the system brings freedom, but it just brings deeper bondage. It brings death, and it's a spiritual trap. There's a story of an eagle got injured, badly injured, and the wing broken. And so they go to help the eagle. And the only way that you can help a wing to heal is by not having the eagle fly. You, you can't have it. So they, they bandage it for a while. But then when the eagle still needs to, to regain motion, but not flight, they chain the eagle so that he can move, but he can't fly. It's got a chain, and so he moves around. And for an extended period of time, as the wing starts to grow strong, the eagle is held on the ground, not allowing the weight of the body and the flight to damage it. And so the eagle tries. He struggles. I've got to get away. I've got to be free. I've got to do what I want to do. And so he tries. And after a while, the chain has held him down for so long that he stops trying. He stops trying to fly. He keeps walking in a circle. Hops, but doesn't fly. And when the, when the wing gets stronger because he's had enough time for it to heal, they take the chain off and the eagle is left still in that yard, walking in a circle, hopping short distances because the chain is still on the mind of the eagle, even though the chain has been released. The eagle has been set free. And all he needs to do now is to do what he was meant to do, to be who he was meant to be. But he's been trained. I can't. He believes, I can no longer. The eagle believes, I will never. And so he stops trying, stops being who he was called to be, stops being what he was born to be, and remains a prisoner, even though there is no shackle. For many of us, that's the way that we live. That's exactly the way that we behave as prisoners. And Satan has got you convinced that you can't you won't, and you never will. You've got yourself so convicted, so committed to this belief that you don't have the faith any longer to grab onto what is rightfully yours. Why? Because you're believing a lie. It's a stronghold, a stronghold of the evil one. The good news that you have, you have divine power. Divine power to demolish strongholds, to set the prisoners free. How do we do this? Well, if you read the text, it goes on. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. How do we do this? We take captive, okay? Get that idea. So this is something you're going to have to do. This is a work thing. You're going to have to participate in this. So we take captive. Try saying that. We take captive. If you're going to do this, we take captive. What? We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. The New Living Translation says this in, in another way, just a beautiful way to get a different feel. It says, we capture the rebellious thoughts and we teach them how to obey Christ. We take that thought as it comes in and we tell it the truth. So some of you think, well, I'll never preach. Preaching is not what I'm supposed to do, but you need to learn to preach. You've got to learn to preach to yourself. You've got to tell yourself, you've got to tell your thoughts the truth. If you have a lie, if you have a rebellious thought, 
You need to identify it, capture it, shut it down. Stop just saying it'll pass or it's mostly true. Start identifying what it is, capture it, and then shut it down. As for me and my mind, we are going to obey Christ. If we've got a critical thought, we identify it. We capture it. We know what it is. We say, that's it right there. That's the lie. And then we tell the lie the truth. We make it submit to Christ. So if you've got recurring negative thoughts, recurring negative impressions that come to you, something says you can't. You never will. You're you're ugly. You're stupid. Everyone around you knows and you don't. Nobody likes you. You'll never achieve anything valuable. How could God even love you? I mean, seriously, look at what you've done. Consider what you've been involved in and for so long. God can't love that much. Why would he waste his time on somebody like you? You capture that thought. You take that thought. You identify what it is and then You identify it as rebellious, as a lie. And you you slow down. Don't rush through this. You don't let it just run free and keep repeating itself and repeating itself because without you consciously stopping it, that thought will run free and it will just repeat itself. And when you walk by the mirror, it will talk to you. If you don't have any time, it still has time to tell you, you're nothing, you're worthless, you're not beautiful, you're ugly, you're going nowhere. There's always time for the lie to come. So we have to consciously take time to address it. That is not true. I'm going to teach you the word of God. That's what you have to say to your thought. And you take captive every thought and you make it obedient to Christ. You remind yourself of what is true to re-educate your thoughts. To reload that thought bank that you have there. So this is what we're going to work on. This is how we're going to develop this. I'm going to give you two questions to ask yourself. Okay, the first one is, and you can choose to not do it, but if you choose to not do it, you choose to not identify and move in this process. Okay, so I'm going to strongly encourage you, identify something. What negative thoughts are dominating your thinking? Whether you're at school, you're at home, or you're at work. What negative thoughts, and you can say, they, they might be negative, but they're still true. What negative thoughts are dominating the way that you think? What negative thoughts come back to you regularly about what you can do, about who you are, about what God has created you to be? What negative thoughts are dominating your thinking? If you have the hand out there, there's a spot for you to write down too. I would hazard a guess that if we're honest, We can come up with five each really quickly. They are there. They happen. Identify what those things are. You can't beat an unknown enemy. So you have to identify the lie that's there so that you know how to battle that enemy. I'll give you some ideas and you write down two or three. You can do that now. You can do it later. But I would strongly encourage you to do it. So here's some ideas. I can't get it all done. I'm not a good enough mom. Man, she brought homemade cookies. I brought store-bought cookies. Hashtag fail. Not good enough. 
I'm always going to battle with such and such. It's just never going to go. That'll always be my thing. I am so inconsistent. I'm on again. I'm off again with God. Like I say, this is what I want, but I don't really want to change. And why can't I change? And I'm undisciplined. I'm never going to get ahead. This is the way that I am. It just will never get better than this. I'm not very good with people. I just don't like to be around people, so I try to avoid them. I'm fine as long as I don't have to be with people. I'm just an average student. I mean, I'm not going to go on into graduate school or something. I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. I'll just do something else. Whatever it is, think about your dialogue. What is happening there? Does it tip to the negative side or when it tips to the negative side? What is it that you are consistently telling yourself again and again because your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts? Identify something. What is it that you are struggling with? Then ask yourself, what spiritual truth will demolish those strongholds? What spiritual truth will demolish that unhelpful, ungodly thought? You, you get a big bucket of truth and you, and you dump it all over that flame that's starting to try and burn in your mind, to trying to burn in your life, to come to life, to ignite. You, you douse it with truth. And that's what we've been trying to do by telling yourself the truth. And each one of those statements not, might not mean something beautiful and wonderful for you. Maybe that thought wasn't specifically for you. Maybe there's another one that will connect with you more. But collect them. Pile them up. Store them up and then use your mouth to form those words and let your ears hear the truth as you say them out loud. Let yourself participate. Make those statements out loud because your accuser, the deceiver, the devil, he can plant a thought, but he cannot hear a thought. So he needs to hear you shower down the truth. And you need to hear yourself also. Here's one. Here's a truth. I have everything I need to do everything God calls me to do. Here's one. Christ in me is more than enough. This might be yours. Worry is not my master. My faith is in God and in God alone. You can choose to say things like, I will not be easily offended. I declare that I am full of the unconditional, unstoppable, unquenchable love of God. My God is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He will never turn his back on me. He has promised that he will forgive me as I turn to him. He, I find, never turned away from me. If I confess my sin, he is faithful. He is just. And he will forgive me my sin. And he will cleanse me from all unrighteousness. As we go forward, next time, we'll have a longer list. We'll build a list together of greater strength, of things that you can shower yourself with. But I would encourage you today, identify something now. What statement 
can you have that is yours, that as you start to battle, as you engage in this war, you would be armed, that you have a go-to. There's something that you can say, that's where I'm going to go. That's where I'm going to start. As I try to clear my mind up, I will focus on these things that are true. When the lies come up, I will tell the truth. I will capture those thoughts and I will educate them. I will teach them to submit to Christ because when Christ tells me the truth, it is true. As, you, as we leave, as we finish today, take this statement. Make this one of yours that you can put in there. The world will be different and better because I served Jesus today. When you struggle with doing what is hard, the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. When you choose to not be offended, the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. When you decide not to lash back out in anger, the world will be different and better because I serve Jesus today. When you decide to do an act of kindness and when there's nothing kind in you right now at all, the world will be different and better because I decided to serve Jesus today. When you decide to stand up against opposition and do what is right and what is kind and what is good and what is moral and what is pure, the world will be different and better because I decided to serve Jesus today. When you decide not to hate, when you decide not to lust, when you decide not to indulge, when you decide not to, the world will be different and better today because I served Jesus. Every little battle matters. It's not just the big ones. It's the little ones. So as you go today, carry that thought with you. As you decide to engage in regular skirmishes, the world will be different and better today because I serve Jesus. Kind Father, I pray that you will speak into the hearts and the lives of my friends that are here today. Empower them Strengthen them. Give them wisdom. Give them truth. Give them the ability to overcome, to bear up under, and to proceed out to the other side, to face where they are, where we are, with trust in you. Help us to reclaim our minds, to fill them with truth, that we might live a life that is more and more marked by the transforming, renewing power of Jesus Christ. It is our desire not to exist, but to thrive, to come to life and to bring somebody with us as we go. Move in us today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all of his holy people. And now be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. Well, it's better when we're together. It's better when you're here. The more we connect, the better it gets. And so today, I don't want to dismiss you again. I want to send you because I believe that you are the church, and where you go, you take the church, and you are the kingdom of God, and where you go, you 
plant the kingdom of God. So I want to send you out and I want to remind you that we are Christ-centered, we are spirit-empowered, and we are mission-focused. That mission is something for everyone, everywhere, all the time. Go and be the church.